Week 15 blown coverage. I'm Aaron here with Ben and Ricky. It's a Monday. What are we doing? Show's on Tuesdays. What's happened? Well, you know, holidays are here and everyone uh, is trying to get their last bit in. Uh, ben and I were supposed to have another pod and that sort of hit the fan. Um, but speaking of which, whenever you can, you should check out our Clinch Perfect pod uh, and be sure to check us out on Twitter at the Runner Up HQ. Um, we, we like to uh, do some live tweeting, uh, especially when it's UFC events. Uh, ben is the meme master. Um, but yeah, let's let's get on into this. Yeah, as we start, as we always do with NFC North and our, uh, our Detroit Lions. Fall to Tennessee, 46-25. Um, Tannehill, five total touchdowns, three of those passing, two of them rushing. Big game for him, as expected. I mean. And, and for Derek. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, did anybody see this going any other way? No, this I was, was exactly, this is we, exactly I mean, what was always going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, our conversation last week was I mean, obviously, I'd rather Detroit win, and I could see it have potentially happening, but it wasn't like a, a strong opinion. Quite frankly, I'm surprised it was only a three score game at the end of the day. I, I Detroit got in a bit more offense than I thought they would. Uh, Chase Daniel came in, touchdown on his first drive. It's the future of the Lions right there. Is Chase Daniel elite? Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I think the on on the uh, on the Titan side of the ball, like you said, it went exactly as we thought it would. I mean, they punted once the whole game. They had they had a fumble for a safety as well, but other than that, those are the only two possessions they didn't score on. So, I mean, the Lions defense played exactly as you thought it would, and the Titans offense offense played exactly as we thought it would. So. Yeah. Was the, first, uh, the first play of their second drive finds a wide open Corey Davis for a 75-yard bomb touchdown right there. And it's like, okay, cool. Detroit gets the ball back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to single out – well, I am going to single out one player. I was going to say, I don't want to single out one player when the whole defensive unit is so bad. But Tavai for the Lions has to be one of the worst draft picks um, in a long time because they traded up to take him in the second round, if I'm not mistaken, um, and when most people didn't have him going until like the you know, fourth or fifth round. And I think it was one of them where Bob Quinn wanted to prove to everyone he was the smartest man in the room. And the guy runs like he's wearing blocks of concrete on his feet. He is so slow. He's slow and slow in the head as well to recognize things. You know, his awareness is terrible. Mm -hmm. um, it, it hurts. It hurts as a fan watching him play. He is terrible. Yeah, it does hurt. And I know, Ricky, you and I have talked a little bit in depth about the Lions. Um, and it's it's... It's a, it's a struggle. Um, they've looked, to be fair, they've looked better the last three weeks than they looked in the previous 12, in my opinion. Um, but that's still not saying all too much. No, and I don't think we should be ultimately surprised by that since, yeah. I mean, as we've covered, most of it's attributed to finally firing your head coach and GM. Mm -hmm. um, Tennessee, 10 plus wins for the first time since 2008. So it's a, uh, they're looking good. They're looking good. Um, yeah, before we move on, though, i, I got to talk about the Lions, the news today. <laughs> yeah. They fired Braden Coombs, the special teams coordinator. Um, so Daryl Bevel has been speaking to the press this evening, and he's been saying that um, he's confirmed the reports that we'd already heard, that uh, he went against his orders and fake punted it, went for the fake punt when he's told him to punt. Uh, he says that Stafford was banged up, and that's why he didn't want to go for it on fourth down, so he told him to punt, and then he just fake punted out of nowhere. Um, which is a really good fake. I mean, he faked out his own head coach, to be fair. Um, <laughs> but while I 
can I can see the logic there. You know, you can't really have that sort of insubordination on the team. You need, you know, you need to make an example in, in to some degree. Firing your highest performing member of the coaching staff in week 15 of a of a dead season when you're waiting for a new head coach and GM to arrive is the dumbest thing you can possibly do. Like like I said, I know that you know they needs to be um, disciplined somehow, you know, somehow for doing that. But they they let the substitute teacher fire their you know their star pupil basically yeah. um you know I, I bevel said that today that he went to rod wood who himself said that he's not part of the football decision making process but apparently he now is because him and bevel decided together to fire coombs um lion special teams unit was the fourth best in the league up until this point and in a terrible team they have the fourth <laughs> best special teams unit and they fire the special teams coordinator in week 15 not knowing yeah. that I uh, I would not have sat here and thought that the Lions were top five in anything. Um, yeah, I think that, that they have what like three blocked punts. They had they had one in back to back weeks, um, and you have to think that ranking would probably be higher if Prater wasn't having such a terrible year. So, yeah, I just want just wanted to have a little rant there about every time I think the Lions <laughs> have, have done the stupidest thing I think they can do, they top it and do something worse, which is firing your only high performing coach. Welcome to the Ford family. Yeah. To yeah. your point there uh, about Prater having a, you know, a poor year, people are really quick to rag on Prater this season, but they forget all of that he's done for us in the last couple of years. Yeah. Our I'll record would surely be a year, lot sure. less in previous seasons if it wasn't for Matt Prater. Um, Chicago 33, Minnesota 27. Um, good back and forth game for the most part. Uh, both quarterbacks looked fine. Um, nothing too nothing too special about this game. Dalvin Cook looked good as usual. Um, David Montgomery looked good. David Montgomery looked yards. really good. Really yeah. good. Really good run game from David Montgomery this week. Um, Green Bay 24, Carolina 16. I expected this to be a much more of an onslaught than it was. Um I think it could have been if the Packers needed it to be. That's how I kind of felt watching that game was like they were in cruise control. And mm -hmm. if, if they needed to score, if they needed Rodgers to go out there and, and march down the field and score another touchdown, I felt like they could have pretty easily. Yeah. Um, that Panthers defense is pretty terrible. Which well, it's um, not just it's not just the defense, it's pretty terrible. Um yeah, true. <laughs> any any <laughs> listeners <laughs> no one big fan of Teddy Bridgewater. Um He's lost eight straight. Teddy Bridgewater. 2015 was a good year for you. Um, first in NFC North. 16, you know, you missed the season. 17, 18, you played a little bit. Uh, 19, you looked fine. 14, you looked fine. We're in 2020. And here's some things I did not realize about Teddy Bridgewater. He's currently at a career high in completion percentage. Career high in passing yards. Tied with his career high in touchdowns. Does it feel like it? I was, I was about to ask, are we watching the same Teddy Bridgewater? That's my point, is it's – that kind of goes to show that stats aren't always anything. And to be fair, these stats are nothing incredible. Like it's, you know, low 3,000s in yards, which I, I'm not a professional. I say it's nothing incredible. <laughs> like I know anything. Um, what my biggest issue with Teddy Bridgewater is, and we saw it um, Saturday against Green Bay, is it seems like some of his most important throws are just completely off target. Um Late in the fourth quarter, I believe it was the last play of the game, actually. Tay Bridgewater, uh, I think it was going to DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, one of the two, towards the sidelines. Bridgewater just missed him. Mm. You know, and that, that's the last play of the game. And the Panthers only lost by, you know, one score plus a two-point conversion. 
Um, that being said, the Panthers fired their GM uh, earlier today or yesterday, which to go back to the Lions, I don't see a point in firing anybody at this point in the season. You know, if, if Anthony Gase is getting fired, nobody really should. I think the GM's a kind of different different kettle of fish to, to the Lions saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about the Panthers to, in, in terms of what that GM has done to, uh, to make a, a judgment there. But I, my problem with the Lions thing was that, you know, let the new, you know, let the new GM decide. Um, obviously, they'd had enough with this guy. And uh, like you say, the, the offense is terrible and the defense is terrible. Maybe it was time to make a change. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's kind of different when it's a GM. I would agree. Yeah, I just, I think at this point where there's, you know, two games left in the season, give it till the end of the year. Give know? the guy through Christmas. I mean, yeah, geez, don't, don't ruin fire this holiday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- that's that's all a great point. I do, I mean, the holidays thing, honestly, that it, it is pretty shitty to lose a job uh, less than a week before the holidays start. But it's it's not the same thing for a GM as it would be a head coach or any position coach. I mean, a GM isn't your, they're not your locker room. They, I mean, yes, they are the ones who are looking at the financials. They're the ones that are looking at is our team performing and do we have to make a decision on our head coach or any individuals on the team? But that's, it's also a position that it's replaceable any time of the year. I mean, week one, you could lose them. Week 17, you could get rid of them and any time in between off season, whatever. I don't think it's as big of an impact as firing a head coach or allowing your interim head coach to fire a coordinator with two weeks left in the season. Uh, Green Bay is 14 and two since 2019, including the playoffs at home. Um, that's impressive. Not much has changed in the NFC North standings though. Obviously Green Bay has the division, but not Chicago seven and seven Vikings are six and eight. Their season's all but over. Um, Tampa Bay 31, Atlanta 27. God damn Tom Brady and the Falcons, all right? Brady's 7-0 versus Atlanta throughout his career, including the playoffs, lest we forget Super Bowl. Um, not to mention, this was another comeback win for him. You, you also have to realize that this is just a poor Atlanta team this year. They have led by 17 at half three times this season and lost the game. Well, we talked last week. Atlanta's not a four and nine team. No. Um, now they're a four and ten team. They're not that <laughs> either. But it's uh, it's uh gosh, I Matt Ryan, I feel so bad for the guy. Um Kansas City 32, New Orleans 29. Chiefs have won <laughs> eleven straight road games. Yeah, that's cool. I had one note on the Saints in that game, and that was that Cameron Jordan is an idiot. I don't know why there was any sort of protest about him getting tossed from the game. Like it was a clean right hook to the face of Andrew Wiley. Um, yeah. So I like the, you know, I, I can't remember who was commentating the game. It might've been Romo actually. might've been Romo and Nance. They were, they were watching him going, Oh, you know, Romo does that thing where he goes, Oh, I don't know, Jim. Um, he punched him square in the face I, at a I, crucial I, moment in the game. Um, and Hendrickson on the other side was having a great game. So if yeah. Jordan would have stayed in the game, and you know, had the dual threat on both sides, they could have had a chance to come back. I mean, it, it was, I think, maybe like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, so not probable, but a decent chance. And he just threw that chance out the window. Yeah, I mean, Hendricks is really the only one getting any pressure on Patrick throughout the whole game. Um, yeah, he played really well. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember sitting, sitting here watching that game, and I'm like, 
He just threw a punch. And I'm like, there's no flag. What the fuck? And then uh, they kind of do their little thing. And finally, I see the flag. I'm like, okay, did I actually see the punch? And I remember in, in my side of it, the announcer was like, oh, he's swinging. I'm like, you are stupid. Like, you're, you're punching a dude with a helmet on. That It's not going to do anything to him. At, you're going to break your hand worse. Like, Sounds full to time for Brady and the Bucks move up to nine and five. Division's closer than I think uh, that I that I thought it was going to be at this point in the season. Yes. Um, but we trust hey, the Bucks. I, I don't. I don't trust the Bucks at all. I don't trust the Bucks. If they whoever they play in the playoffs, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trust them to to not completely collapse. I don't, there's just something about them, and I can't even. It's not even a, something you can measure with a you know statistic or. Um, yeah. point to a specific moment in a game there's just something about them that you watch them and it just doesn't feel like it's all there even on mm-hmm. both sides of the ball even though their defense is really good as well um mm-hmm. i i just don't trust them and i it's like i said it's not even a tangible thing that i can measure i just don't yeah there, there's uh there's two teams i trust less than the bucks and we'll get to them shortly so the the other thing that you remember part of our conversation last week i i brought up camara and uh my my entire thesis on having Brady or having Breeze back was going to be the savior for Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Yeah, I, he had, he had less than 100 yards again from scrimmage for the seventh straight game. And if you recall um, last week, I think I told you it didn't matter if Breeze was yeah. back or not in regards to Kamara. Um, all right. Seattle 20, Washington 15. I just said that there was two other teams that I'm not – that I'm not, you know, sold on a little bit more than the Bucks. Seattle's one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle's first place in the division. Are they? Are they really first place? I mean, statistically, you know, record-wise, they are. I actually think this was a huge win for the Seahawks to kind of prove the opposite of what you just said. Um, I feel like after the loss to the Giants, yeah, it was it was easy to to be like, okay, these guys aren't legit. Like as soon as the pressure gets turned up in the playoffs, they're gonna they're gonna choke. I feel like this win against a Washington defense that is really good and playing it like at an extremely high level was kind of a, you know, not a turning point because they're already probably heading to the playoffs anyway, but I feel like it was, you know, bigger than just one win for them because it kind of, you know, put a stamp on, on the, on the, you know, this part of the season where they've had that little blip a few weeks where Wilson didn't play too well. And, you know, now they can look ahead and say, okay, we're through that now, you know, we've just beat a good team and, you know, got, got over that hump and uh, I feel like this this win is is huge for the Seahawks in terms of you know showing that your trust yeah. is misplaced <laughs> so, so I would agree for the most part I mean the the one caveat is Washington is missing Alex Smith and Antonio Gibson still mm-hmm. and yeah I mean, and Dwayne Haskins sucks let's and, not, a slew, let's not and a slew of other players and obviously you're going to have injuries you're going to have illness this year but I think that Seattle needed needed this game and they showed up enough to get the win. Which is what I, I was impressed by. Like you say, they needed this game. And if, if they hadn't shown up in this game, I'd I'd be completely on the bandwagon of they are frauds. They are on serious they are they were on fraud watch and then that would have been fraud watch been finished and they would be officially frauds if they'd lost this game but yeah. i feel like like i said this is just such a huge thing thing for their momentum and their confidence to to get over that you know get over that blip that loss to the giants was horrendous and come through the other side of it with a, with a good win against a good team 
Yeah, I mean, Seattle's officially clinched a playoff berth. Um, my thing is, and it's similar to your caveat, Ricky, Washington didn't have Alex Smith and they didn't have Antonio Gibson. Um, Seattle only won by five. Yeah. If you have your star running back who has had a phenomenal season and you have the miracle behind center. Um, it's a different a, game. It's a different game. And obviously that's all hypothetical. So we can't, there's no point. In really and and for all that. we know, they, they still might win the game. But sure. it, I, I, I would say it's a three-point game at most. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins, 295 yards, two interceptions, one touchdown, 28 rushing yards. Um, I, nothing to be impressed by. Um, I think Haskins is what we all thought he was. That's that's what this weekend showed. You know, like no, no one really expected him to come in and outshine Alex Smith. You know, the media mm-hmm. loved to talk about him and be like, this is his big opportunity. I don't think anyone really expected him to take that opportunity and go out there and blow away the Seahawks, even though the Seahawks defense is pretty bad. I don't think Haskins is necessarily a bad quarterback, but I don't think he's a starter um, anywhere in the league right now. He Watching him play, um, he didn't – comfortable is not the word I'm looking for, but he didn't look like he belonged where he was. Um, but I do want to come back to Haskins in a little bit. Um, Dallas 41, San Fran 33. Um, pretty exciting game, actually, especially in those last couple minutes there. Uh, Dallas recovers an onside kick to uh, take it down. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, right? the, just watching hit—you you can see his brain turning while that play is happening, because you see him catch the ball and ready to drop to the floor, and all of a sudden he goes, "Oh shit, there's a gap," and just takes it. San Fran with the last second hail mary uh, for no reason. <laughs> hey, they <laughs> scored. They, they did. They did, and that was beautiful. Um, Cleveland twenty, New York Giants six. Um, this is another game I expect the score to be a little bit more. Um, in favor of the Browns. Um, but ultimately not that surprised by the result. Can I just uh, say the spread in that game was minus six for the Browns? And yeah. I agree with you. I, I thought they'd win by more than what they won mm-hmm. by. Um, the spread was minus six. So I don't know yeah. if that's like a historical thing where Vegas is thinking, oh, well, it's the Browns. They'll probably, you know, right when we think they're going to be good, they'll probably fuck it up. But <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's time kind of to forget that and admit for everyone that the Browns are legit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the giants are five and 36 when trailing at halftime since 2017. That is horrific. <sighs> Terrible record. Hey man, Colt McCoy looked all right. <laughs> That's a, uh... <laughs> he looked like the kid at school that squirted milk out of his eye. Every time they zoomed in <laughs> on his face, <laughs> Every time I zoomed in on his face under center, I just could not stop laughing at like just that picture of him being like the weird kid in school that like nobody was really friends with, but everybody kind of liked because he gave everyone a laugh. Arizona 33, Eagles 26. It's a good game. And it was a fun game, yeah. There's only one story to come out of it. There's two stories, I should say. They're both intertwined. It's a hell of a quarterback matchup. And you know who your quarterback is for Philly now. Like, no if Jalen Hurts but. was incredible. Jalen Hurts was incredible. When, when you're looking at the, the, the comparison of Hurts and uh, Kyler Murray, 338 yards, three touchdowns passing, one rushing, 63 rushing yards. And granted, he had three fumbles that were all recovered by his team for Hurts, 37.82 fantasy points. And then Murray with 406 three touchdowns, one rush, one rushing 29 yards, and then an interception and a fumble lost. Mm-hmm. And 30, I mean, 
33 fantasy points. That's he, he, he solidified his place. Absolutely. Um, Carson Wentz allegedly has demanded to be traded if he stays as the backup going into next season. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I, I, I don't, don't blame what he's unhappy about, to be honest. Like, he's <laughs> on the bench because he sucked all year. Like, you can say what you want about injuries to wide receivers, injuries to O line. Yeah, that's, you know, part and parcel of the game. He sucked all year. He was, I think, statistically the 34th worst out of 35 quarterbacks this season um, to, to have to, you know, played a regular amount of games. To be fair, though, I don't know if it's fair to, to blame essentially Wentz's whole career on yeah. this one season. Um, and, I mean, to be in his defense, he has had injury issues in past seasons. Um, when he's been healthy and had a full healthy team around him, he's looked really good. Um but I think it is time that Philly moves on from Carson Wentz. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the starting easy quarterback job in the in the NFL is not you don't get it and then oh yeah I've got it now. Like you right. have to you have to keep performing week in week out. And not Absolutely. only is he not kept performing week in week out, he has stunk the place out for nearly an entire season. Mm-hmm. He really can have no complaints about getting benched. And I've heard some things that he did have complaints about getting benched and was really unhappy about it and thought it was unfair. Um, I don't know. He needs new glasses or something. Washington football team sitting atop at six and eight. Uh, Dallas and New York both five and nine. Eagles four nine and one. Um, so the winner of this division is going to be five hundred at best. What yep. happens if the winner of this division wins a playoff game? That's what I want to know. Like how how we're crazy are people going to go over that? That's for damn sure. <laughs> we're, we're we're all getting Dwayne Haskins jerseys. That's what. That's <laughs> your ass. Um, oh, are you ready? Oh boy! You almost had me fooled, LA. You... <laughs> Rams, you almost had me fooled. Uh... You're nine and five. You're second in NFC now. Um, <laughs> your losses this season have been close games. I'll give that to you. So have some of your wins, Ricky. Yep. We've said for weeks the Jets are not an 0 13 team. Correct. We were right. They're a no shit. <laughs> we <laughs> these Jets are going two and fourteen. They're beating the Patriots week seventeen. Doesn't surprise me. No, One these bit. Jets are not as bad as their record has shown. They are not yeah. the worst team in football. So the Rams are supposed to be one of the best teams in football. You lose to the third worst team in football this season. I mean, you say supposed to be one of the best. I don't think anyone believes a team with Jared Goff is the the best. You should have been Jared Goff. Jared Goff has thrown, or not necessarily just interceptions. He has 37 giveaways since 2019. That is the most in the NFL. He can be spectacular and like the worst quarterback I've ever seen in the space of five minutes. Yeah, and I mean the when we talk a lot about how the jets aren't that bad. Um, the jets have scored on an opening drive in eight straight games. Oh, I need that, to bet on them for first touchdown. That's the longest streak in the NFL. I mean, when, when we look at teams, even like Detroit, they frequently do not know how to score. And the jets have found a way to score in eight straight games on their opening drive. I mean, that by itself I think is essentially proof that they are not even close to the worst team. And it's hard to be close to the worst team in Jacksonville. 
what can I say, LA? You uh, you really let me down. You really you really proved why you are my second favorite LA team. Um, <laughs> Seahawks ten and four, Rams nine and five, Cardinals eight and six, and then the Niners five and nine. I think you took back every nice word you said from last week. Oh, and it'll I'll, I'll praise them again next week. Um, Buffalo forty eight, Denver nineteen. Buffalo clinches AFC first time since or the AFC East first time since nineteen ninety five. Um, they, they might clinch the AFC, if you want to shock me. Um, they did not take it easy on Denver. And I think this is something to kind of comparatively to Green Bay this week. Um, ben, as you said, Green Bay was a team where if Rodgers needed to go out there and drive him downfield, he could, no problem. Bills were looking like a team that did not want to risk it. And I think that's a great mindset to have going into the playoffs this year. Um, if the Bills are not, if the Bills don't make it past wildcard weekend, I'd be shocked. Depending who they match up with there on out, we'll see. I mean, the the Bills had two receivers over 100 yards in Stefan Diggs and uh, Beasley. Um, this is their first AFC East title since 1995. And Ironically, the last two Saturdays that the Bills have won on have been against the Broncos, and they've scored over 40 in both of them and won by over 25 points in both of them. I think the key thing that I took away from that game was what Aaron just touched on about mindset of just scoring, keep scoring, keep scoring until the game's over. Because if they come up against the Chiefs in the playoffs – I may not have the, the exact number right, but was it seven straight possessions the Chiefs scored touchdowns on against the, the Texans last year in the playoffs? Oh my God. Um, oh my might, have been, might have been six, might have been eight. I don't know. It was something like that. They scored like six or seven yeah. touchdowns on, on consecutive possessions. And if you're the Bills, you're looking at, you're probably going to have to go through the Chiefs at some point. You need that mindset. You mm. need to, every time that offense goes on the field, it's going out to get seven points. Um, you know, the way, the way the league is these, these days, and especially with the Chiefs, if you're in the AFC, like you need to have that mindset going into the playoffs. I can't see a team without that mindset getting past the Chiefs. I mean, not even that, just Josh Allen is an absolute monster this year. I mean we talked last week, Ricky, Rogers and Mahomes versus MVP. Josh Allen is in the conversation. Oh, absolutely. Josh Allen is the funnest player in the NFL by far. Yes, and that's absolutely. not taken away from how good he is either. He's a great no. player, but he is the funnest player in the NFL by far. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, Miami 22, New England 12. Hell um, yeah, Dolphins. This was a closer game than it should have been. <laughs> hey, they eliminated, eliminated the Patriots from postseason contention for the first time since 2008. That's got to oh. feel good for the Dolphins. That's <laughs> For the Dolphins, especially. I think if I think it feels good for the rest of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, Dolphins sitting at nine and five now. Um, still got a chance. <laughs> Their chance is difficult. Yes, I'll say because I, I later when we touch more on playoff, I mean it's it's not looking simple. I know they have the Bills week seventeen, I believe. I don't recall who's in week sixteen. Um, they have the Raiders next, and then they have the Bills. But oh, they're the not getting past is, Vegas. There's no way they get past Vegas. No, the biggest problem is the Ravens. They're playing the Giants and the Bengals next. What are you talking about, right? The Giants and Bengals are amazing teams. Oh, well, Bengals are going to kill the Steelers tonight. Steelers are on the downhill, man. Steelers are dropping the next three. 
That's the Browns division. I digress. Indianapolis 27, Houston 20. You almost had it, Houston. You almost had it. You almost gave Tennessee the division. Um, came down to a two-minute warning, touched on, I believe, by Phillip Rivers to uh, Pascal. Um, <laughs> it was a better game than I was expecting. I mean, just for this season with Houston, Deshaun Watson still had a pretty good year. He has had nine nine games where he's thrown at least a touchdown without an interception, but I just cannot wait for some more pieces to get put in place and to actually have a competent coaching staff. I mean, I think it's fair to say Deshaun Watson is now officially the Matt Stafford of the AFC. Like, yeah. a great player. You look at his stats. It's, I mean... This season, over 4,000 pass yards, nearly 400 rush yards, 30 total touchdowns, six picks, and he's four and ten. He's got That's... 30 total touchdowns to six picks, and he is four and ten. Bill O'Brien should be arrested. Lock him away. <laughs> Don't let him near any NFL team ever again. you got to keep in mind, too, he, he uh, lost his best wide receiver going into the season. Yep. He lost his second best wide receiver three weeks ago. And I think Hopkins is the best receiver in the league. I've been saying that for a few years now. Yeah, no, I, that, that is a, I that think is Hopkins a strong is case top, to make. Top two, yeah. and he's not two. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baltimore 40, Jacksonville 14. The, everything yeah. I expected. Yeah, no, Jacksonville is the worst team in football. Uh, AFC North, as of right now, Steelers still sitting at 11 and 2, as the Bengals and Steelers haven't played yet tonight. Browns 10 and 4, Ravens 9 and 5, Bengals 2, 10 and 1. AFC South got Tennessee and Indianapolis at the top at 10 and 4 each. Houston 4 and 10. Jacksonville 1 and 13. Jacksonville's, no, no. and we've got to just touch on this though before we, uh, before we move on from them. They are by far the most attractive proposition for incoming GMs. I think there's now with Carolina, there's what, six, five or six teams looking for a new GM. The Jaguars are by far the most attractive proposition by a mile. Um, they have two first round draft picks. One of them is probably going to be Trevor Lawrence. And then they have a shitload of cap space next year. So, you know, you could build a pretty good team there if, if you know what you're doing in, you know, the space of time that the Bills have under Josh Allen. That being said, if Jacksonville, as they take the number one pick, as I'm assuming they will, right now they are slotted to. Yeah. Um, right now the Jets would have the number two pick if the, if the records both end like one and whatever, as things currently stand. Jacksonville has to take Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Oh, no question. Absolutely. Yeah, I know, Ricky and I, you and I have talked about the last couple weeks. I love my Jets. I didn't see it actually happening. Um, (laughs) Trevor Lawrence just makes way more sense than the Jags than he does the Jets. Yes. It's not yet time to give up on Darnold. Um, Chargers 30. Vegas, I have it written down as two. That was not the actual result. 27. 27. Uh, I saw that, and because it was a Thursday night game, I kind of forgotten about it. So when I was looking through your notes, I was like, 30 to 2. Damn, did I fall asleep for that? (laughs) (laughs) One safety, Uh, and that's it. Overtime field goal, right? I believe. Um, I believe both teams scored in overtime. It was an overtime field goal for Vegas and a touchdown for the Chargers. Yeah, that never happens. Both teams scored in overtime, never happens. Um. Chargers, Herbert, seven games of 300 passing yards. Rookie record. Um, he has two records from this week alone. What's the other one? He has the most games with 300 or more passing yards as a rookie. What did I say? And That's then the he same has thing. most passing <laughs> touchdowns by 27 compared to Baker Mayfield. 
Gotcha. Oh, okay. okay. So there's that one as well. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was I was going to say that it was tied with Andrew Luck. Yeah. And then gotcha. my mind paused. Yeah, I know. Uh, Herbert <laughs> looked great. The rest of us. Herbert looked great. Um, Randy. I think he has looked great from like most of the season. There's been a oh, few breaks sure. in there, obviously, but you kind of expect that with a rookie. And we uh, are big on yeah. Herbert here at the runner-up. Um, sure are. Now, another team that we don't necessarily agree on. <laughs> Ricky, for the fourth week in a row. The Raiders. What are your thoughts, bud? No. They're not good? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, okay. We, we've had this conversation now four weeks in a row. And it's not getting better. And this game, I mean, I, I think we would both agree the Chargers are better than a five and nine team. But again, this season they're five and nine, and the Raiders are five hundred. I mean, the Raiders. Well, and so Anthony much Lynn promise. is their head coach as well. If you if you lose to Anthony Lynn, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> the Raiders showed so much promise at the start of this year. They were looking so good when they beat the Chiefs. I thought they might be good, but um, yeah, they're the, they're way past fraud watch. They, yeah, that, that's uh, they're they're officially frauds. That being said, uh, they're not officially out of contention yet. <laughs> God knows how. Uh, officially, no. Unofficially, one hundred percent. I I mentioned earlier I wanted to go back to Haskins. Uh, real quick though, Chiefs top thirteen one Raiders seven and seven Broncos five and nine Chargers five and nine. Um, Which one of those teams is more five and nine than the other five and nine? Not the Panthers. So I wanted to touch on Haskins again because <laughs> um, uh, Marcus Mariota came in through two hundred twenty six yards, one interception, one passing touchdown, eighty eight rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. For me, these two games were the essentially when you look at two two quarterbacks in very similar situations how one handled a situation versus how the other handled a situation haskins knew going into this week chances are he was going to be playing and he was going to be playing a slumping seattle mariota had no clue he was going to touch the ball at all this year but this was the first game he played this season first time he's touched the ball this season and god damn did he look good his throw to uh, to Waller in the back, uh, like down the sideline, I think it was one of the first throws he threw, pretty mm-hmm. pretty much on the first drive he came in, was one of the best throws. Well, it was probably the best throw I've seen by a Raiders quarterback this season. I'll say that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Easy on my boy. <laughs> no, no, keep going. Please please bash Derek. I mean, Mark. that was an amazing throw. I mean, what, what more can you say? That was oh, like, absolutely, his, absolutely. His, that entire first drive was a thing of beauty. It was like, he looked like yeah. Mahomes out there. And then he kind of went back to being Mariota for a bit. Um, but he leveled out with, you know, like you say, a solid performance. Yeah, at the end of the day, we saw more of that Mariota that we got used to in Tennessee versus uh, when he was replaced for a top five quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, which still doesn't feel right to say, but it feels more than right to believe. Um, <laughs> You're just on uh, yeah. the Tannehill bandwagon at this point. I love Ryan Tannehill. Um, favorite quarterback in football right now is Ryan Tannehill. So... Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, gonna happen tonight. I want Cincinnati to win this. There's a likelihood they do. They're That's playing, right they're playing their third quarterback because Brandon Allen's also out. Uh, so Ryan Finley, good for you getting the start. Um, I mean, yeah, isn't you wanted to talk playoffs? <laughs> well, well, but I mean, th- this game for the Steelers doesn't this this clinches the division for them if they win. 
Uh, I believe it does. Yeah. So they're they're going to go with everything they have because, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, why wouldn't you? Um, because your next two games are not the easiest to contest. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, on to the playoff picture. Uh, looking at the NFC, our, our our number one team is obviously the Packers. They're they're looking at the the Titans and the Bears next. Um, your likely number two is the Saints. They have the Vikings and the Panthers. That should be two two wins. Third is probably Seattle with the Rams and 49ers up next. Um, and here's where it gets all, all sorts of fun. Um, Washington will likely win their division, and they play the Panthers and the Eagles, two teams that they will most likely beat. The Eagles will be a challenge with Jalen Hurts. Um, the Bucks play the Lions and the Falcons. If if they don't win two games out of two, then the Bucks don't deserve to be in the playoffs. But I digress. Um, I mean, you could argue the Bucks don't deserve to be in the playoffs regardless. Um, here, yeah, but so. This is where it gets rather interesting. So the Cardinals are your most likely team to make it outside of the Rams and Bears. Cardinals play the 49ers in the Rams. Beat the 49ers. Most likely they beat the Rams. But who necessarily knows? Now, the, the interesting one is going to be the Rams play Seattle in Arizona. Those are two difficult games in a row. And where you need to win both of them because are they, are they difficult games? I mean Arizona, sure. I I don't know what we're getting with Rams in Seattle. I think it's gonna be a shit show. I, I was gonna say I, I think and, both and of those the teams are gonna be not easy. Yeah. But then you have the Bears who are playing the Jags and the Packers. I mean, they're they're gonna beat the Jags. And at this point, knowing how the Packers right. are they have their division, they're likely going to have the home field advantage next week. Do they even try against the Bears? Yeah, uh, I think they would. They would take some some pleasure in making the Bears miss out. But uh, well, while we're on the topic of the Bears, um, what do you think about Mitch taking the Bears? If, uh, if Mitch takes the Bears to the playoffs, they have to bring him back next year, right? And that sucks for them. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you know I've been one of his biggest haters since day one in the league and i i don't think it's a um you know it's a genius prediction of mine Uh, i think pretty much everyone wondered what the hell they were doing when they traded up for him but i have to admit he's impressed me last few weeks i feel like they finally put him in a situation where they're playing to his strengths and he's thrived so i i I don't really think you can you know go away from him like next year if this continues over the next few games because this is the only real stretch in his career where they've really played to his strengths there's i mean you ask Bears fans, even when they were 5-0 and this season, they hated the way they, they called players on offense. They hated it. So I think he's had one small stretch now where he's been given a system that you know suits him and it's, you know they're playing to his strengths. And he's thriving. His last, you know, I'll put it in the notes here. Let me just find it. His last three games, he is 2-1. and one. The one loss was a 34-30 loss to the Lions where Stafford put up 400 yards and four touchdowns. So that's not Trubisky's fault. In those three games, all three games over 200 yards, all three games over 70% accuracy, which I know is a big concern for Trubisky early in his career. 
five touchdowns, one pick. Um, if Mitch takes the Bears to the playoffs, and I say this as a Lions fan, wanting them to suck, but also kind of being a little bit happy for a guy who's been shit on his whole career, um, <laughs> they have to bring him back next year. They have to. I agree. I mean, I think you bring up a good point when it, it comes to play style and putting the right people in a lineup to make his make his offense his offense. Yeah. I mean, if you're not playing to the advantages that your quarterback gives you, what the hell are you doing? And when they they jump to get a quarterback higher than anyone expected him to go, you have to do what you can to make it work. Exactly. Ricky, um, you can uh, you can attest, and I've said on the last couple of shows, I like Trubisky. I don't think there's anything wrong with the guy. Um, I think he obviously gets hate because of where he was drafted, which isn't his mm-hmm. fault. No, like, that's <laughs> he didn't ask to be drafted ahead of Mahomes. That know? that's his GM's fault. Absolutely. Um, you also look at going into this season. Trubisky was put in a lose lose situation. He started the first three games for him. He looked fine in the first two. The third one, he struggled a little bit. They were the Bears. We're looking for any way to bench Trubisky and get in Foles. Yeah. And Foles sucks. I, gotta say I hate that Nick as well. Foles. I Foles hate Nick terrible. Foles. How he wants to the ball, I will never know. Foles sucks. I, I won't hear it any other way. Carson Wentz deserves all that credit for that season in Philly, and Foles gets all of it. I'm, oh. So, <laughs> uh, open the kind of worms here. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I fully agree with where both of you are going. Before we get too deep into that, I, I want to jump into the AFC playoff picture just because the the bottom two in this, it comes down to these last two games and it, it could be rather interesting. Um, so obviously our, our one seed is going to be the Chiefs. They have the Falcons and the Chargers next. That should be another two victories and they'll have home field. Um your likely number two is the Bills. They pay the play the Patriots and the Dolphins. Um, and if if one team is going to make it into the playoffs, the Dolphins have to beat the Bills there. And I I find that so difficult for them to do. Um, Buffalo beat the hell out of Denver this week. Yeah, Buffalo's sure as hell not letting Miami get off easy. No, so the Steelers play tonight. They're playing the Bengals. It should be another win. Then they yeah, have the Colts. For Cincinnati. The, yeah. But then they have the Colts and the Browns. And I I would not be surprised if it's one win and two losses. I agree. Um I I would have to say the Titans are going to be the the winner of the division. They're going to play the Packers and the Texans next. Um the Packers, they 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 should win the Packers will do whatever they can to not let them, but still playing it easy. And the Texans they'll beat um, the Colts play the Steelers and the Jags. I mean, obviously that's one win for sure. Likely too. Cause I don't think the Steelers will be able to, I don't think the Steelers have, well, I think, and I think that's what is going to decide on the AFC South it's, is this is week 16. Yeah. Cause it's first and foremost, Tennessee green Bay is going to be such an awesome game to watch. And, I'm, Phenomenal. I'm really excited to watch that game this week. I would not be surprised that, if that is a high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. That being said, if Tennessee loses there and Indianapolis wins there, that's the division. It's Indianapolis' division. Indianapolis is not losing to Jacksonville, although they did lose to Jacksonville to start the season, so maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Pittsburgh and Tennessee happens to 
win or even lose to Green Bay. Tennessee still has the interdivision record. So as long as they can win next week, it's Tennessee's. Yeah. Uh, so week 16 is going to decide the AFC South, in my opinion. So th- then um, your, your likely sixth spot out of seven goes to the Browns. They're winning against the Jets, and they, I believe, sure as shit are going to beat the Steelers. Um, and now is when it gets tricky. So we have the Browns, or not the Browns, we just talked about the Browns. We have the Ravens, we have the Dolphins. The Ravens are nine and five, the Dolphins are nine and five. Ravens play the Giants and the Bengals. Dolphins play the Raiders and the Bills. The only way that the Dolphins get in is if they beat the Bills, and I don't see it happening. I'm I'm not confident Dolphins beat the Raiders. My yeah. my you know fandom for you know Vegas and the Raiders aside. <sighs> They're not good. The Raiders. I can kind of. I can kind of see where you're coming from. To be the fair, Raiders because you never know team. what Raiders what Raiders team, team is going to show up. Yeah. yeah. Like occasionally they'll just be really good, but then mm-hmm. they could be terrible. So, um, yeah, I could see a situation where for some reason, for some unknown reason, they show up and and play yeah. really well. Um, but uh, I think paper, the Raiders still have something to play for right now. And yeah. and the Raiders are the home team. Yeah, they don't so, have field advantage of that crowd really. And, it's travel more cool than anything. stadium though really yeah, beautiful really stadium is. yeah i mean yeah, no i i would not be shocked if my i i said back i believe our first show or second show this miami team is an eight and eight team well they're nine and seven at worst so i uh i think it's baltimore's spot to lose i i would agree especially when you're looking at the the two teams that i have coming up i i find I'd be very hard pressed to see them losing, especially with the way they played the last two weeks yeah. against the Giants or the. I mean, I'd love I'd love to be wrong, but um, are I we like, wrong? I like, I, I, I mean, no. <laughs> um, I like to uh, I like the Dolphins, and you know, nothing against the Ram or the Ravens. I have a lot against the Rams, <laughs> um, but either way, I think it's an interesting AFC playoffs. Just to touch on the Ravens, you guys both said you think they're going to make the playoffs. I agree they'll make the playoffs, and I also would not want to play them in the playoffs, no, no matter who I was right now. For, they remind me a little bit of Tennessee last year, like just getting hot at the perfect time. And, I, you know, I feel like it was the opposite last year where Baltimore was the team that was expected to win. Now there's kind of a, there's, there's almost like a little bit of pressure off them this year because, you know, they had those, what was it, like four or five weeks where they were basically terrible. Yep. Um, and now, you know, yes, it's the Jags. Yes, it's the Giants. Um, who, was, who did they beat before that? The Cowboys. Um, but they've looked really good in all those games. You know, they you know they haven't just won; they've won and looked really good. They've looked like a complete team. So I think, I, I yeah, think I, they will make it, and I'd be worried to play them if I was another AFC team right now. I think their win against the Browns shows a lot. Oh, was the Browns? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, we said a while ago. I agree, definitely. Yeah, back in back in was it last week's recap? Um, that game showed how good both teams are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that Ravens Browns game, insane. My favorite game of the season so far. Yes. Um, the runner-up this week. We're going. Uh, we're going against Calvin Ridley. What a great game! I don't have his stats written down. Um, I actually don't funny. either. I think it was like hundred. <laughs> I think it was like hundred and sixty in a touchdown. He was good. He was good. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe that is the one part that I just decided. Yeah, I don't need it. 
I mean, I have my runner-up stats written down. So do I. Yeah. And I have no backups in my runner-ups this week. So if we agree, then, uh, then we agree. So, so mine's, mine's a personally biased on a, on a player <laughs> I like. So I don't right. think that we're going to have a clash here. So, okay. so this week he had 10 receptions, 163 yards, and a touchdown. Three yards off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, the, like Rain Man over here. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I, right. I think the the nicest thing to do is Ben. Do you wanna do you wanna start us off since you're the the new one here? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, my pick didn't exactly you know it's not a stat line that's gonna blow you away, but it is Leonard Fournette for the Bucks, and we've talked oh. a little bit about how the Bucks, you know, we don't really trust them. But I've always been a bit of a fan of Leonard Fournette. I loved him at LSU. He's just so I mean, it's just so fun to watch a guy who can just run through people like you know in Derrick Henry fashion, which is what he did at LSU. Um, and I loved him when he was uh, in his rookie season for the Jags. I had him in fantasy football that year. Even more reason to love him. And I feel like all year he's kind of been forgotten about. Like he had the injury issues when he was with the Jags. And then he came over to the Bucks, And at the start of the year, everyone was like, yeah, he's going to be so good. And, uh, and then he's kind of taken a backseat to Jones. And everyone's kind of forgotten he even exists, really. Um, so I think with Jones out for him to come in this week and get two touchdowns, I think he only had like 65 yards from scrimmage. So it wasn't a huge stat line, like I said. But two touchdowns in a comeback win from 17 points down for a guy who, like I said, has kind of been forgotten about. I got to give it to him. I got to give him his props, and uh, I'm happy for him as well. Yeah, Fournette was a guy this week that was used in the right moments in the right spots. That's a great yeah. pick. Um, I'm not yeah, right. I mean, he, he had a couple. He had, a, I think, week two this earlier this season. He had a great game. Uh, I think I looked at the stats. He had one other good game this yeah, year. Other the than rest that, of the not year, much. None. I, I, I honestly did not realize or just forgot that he was not at Jacksonville anymore. <laughs> exactly. See, the forgotten man. Quite Chances literally. are, if he was Jacksonville, would be one in thirteen. He'd be the reason. Yeah, He'd um, be one in fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do have backups. Um, my, my list does consist of uh, Darren Waller, who we have already had as our man to beat. Oh, uh, the first two time, or let it be. <laughs> I mean. He had nine receptions, 150 yards, one touchdown. Just great performance. Dude, what a tight um, end he's turned into. Am I tripping or did Waller kind of come from nowhere? Like, That's I feel like yeah, exactly. I've never really heard of Darren Waller. And then all of a sudden, he's just like the best Out of tight left end field. in the universe. Yeah, I mean, I like, need a name because obviously I love my Raiders. But like, I, uh, tight end out of nowhere. Yeah, until this season, season, he's not like, I wouldn't now. even put him in a comp. Like, if I started talking about best tight ends last season, he wouldn't have even crossed my mind. Correct, but like, going into this season, I would have said was still top. So, yeah, that's true. Good point. so here's the thing, I I still have my my number one slot goes to a quarterback this week. Um, okay. And I I would have to say that both of you could probably guess who I'm going to go with, but I do want to give a little bit of love to um, David Montgomery first, 146 yards, two touchdowns, and a reception for 16 yards. Great game at Chicago. I mean. Again, we we give enough shit to his quarterback, and he not we not we me sorry <laughs> yours truly. Um, hey, I can't really you can't really win as a Lions fan because he never loses to Matt Patricia. So <laughs> we fired Matt Patricia so we could beat Mitch Trubisky again. That's the reason we fired him. But I mean, he has had a great season and he had a great week. Um, but my runner-up for the week. I have to go with Jalen Hurts. 338 yards, three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and 63 rushing yards. I mean, that is one hell of a performance. 
especially when you're coming in your second week, taking over that starting role. And last week you showed that you're the starter this week, you cemented that you are the starter. I mean, he, yeah. he packed Carson Wentz's bags with that performance. And he, uh, the, they've yeah. already been shipped to wherever he's going next. Yeah. Well, well, maybe they'd already been packed. He, he put the, the shipping <laughs> labels on them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Joe Hurts incredible. We already talked. We already talked about yeah. it. Incredible game. Um, my runner-up this week is a guy you mentioned, which you know. Now that I know that I know nobody picked him, I want to give a shout out to uh, Tony Pollard. What a oh, great yes. game! I don't have his stats with me because I didn't have any runner-ups. Um, but I assumed you were going to take him this week, Ricky. Uh, I, I was this close. Game. I looked at him, but yeah. I couldn't possibly pick a Cowboys player in the yeah. phrase. So, absolutely, great not. game. To that Tony will Pollard. not happen. Um, I, I did go with I did go with David Montgomery. Okay. You know, as you said, one hundred forty-six rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Um, not much more to say. Um, as far as the actual runner-up for the week, I'm inclined to give it to Fournette. Based on Ricky looks shocked. Ben. No, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, yeah. I don't just I was just pulling up Tony Pollard's stats. I mean, he had. Two rushing touchdowns, 63 receiving yards on six receptions, and 69 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, an overall great performance, and he, he would have been good to have in fantasy this week. For sure. No one had him in my league. <laughs> and whispers, he's better than Zeke. It's not taken much this year. Um, That's my point. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't throw the ball to the other team, so he's better than Zeke. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, to Leonard for that, you know, good job this week, buddy. <laughs> we go way back. I feel like a proud dad. Yeah. I drafted him, I drafted him, I think maybe like pretty high, like second or third round in, uh, in, in his rookie year. And all my friends were like, oh, what are you doing drafting a rookie running back that high? Like, you don't even know if he's going to be as good as he was in college. Talking about his workload at LSU, mm-hmm. like kind of same things that people said about Jonathan Taylor and things like that. And I was like, look at the dude. He's a beast. Jonathan what do you need? God. <laughs> um now welcome to the b- b- boys then um oh hey <laughs> but, <laughs> that, that's what that's how it works yeah um so for those of you new to the segment which i'm assuming anybody listen to this is um we take three <laughs> rookies and compare their stats so far to see who's the best who's the bust and who's bearable now typically we do it with rookies from this season but i thought it'd be fun to uh, rewind the clock a little bit and take rookies from the 2018 draft class. And we're doing the first three quarterbacks taken. We're doing Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen. Ricky, take it away. Okay. I, I think the best out of this group was fairly obvious. Um, I feel, I'm not saying it is Mm -hmm. just, I mean, statistics wise, we have Baker Mayfield played in 14 games, 486 attempts, 310 completions. So 63.7%, uh, 3,700 yards, a 71 yard long, 27 passing touchdowns, 14 interceptions, which is not great. Uh, 171 first yards, 25 sacks, a QBR of 93.7. Rushing side of the ball, he had 39 attempts, 131 yards, and three fumbles. No touchdowns. 
Darnold played in 13. He had 414 attempts, 239 completions for a 57.73% completion percent. 2,800 yards, 76 yard long, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 131st, sacked 30 times, and he had a QBR of 77.6. Rushing side, he was 44 attempts for 138 yards. He did have a touchdown, but he had four fumbles. Now, Josh Allen played in only 12 games, so we're just going down and down for each one of them. Um, 320 attempts, 169 completions for an even worse percentage of 52.8, 2,074 yards, a 75-yard long, 10 passing touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 89 firsts, 28 sacks, and a QBR of 67.9. He had the best rushing out of all of them on 89 attempts for 631 yards, eight rushing touchdowns, but he did have five fumbles. So it's a whole lot of information really quickly. Or you continue, Ricky. I did want to make a point just in case anybody hadn't picked up yet. We're only using their rookie seasons. We're not using their careers to this point because that's a very different concept. It's a very, very different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, rookie season only. I think my bust was the most difficult one to decide on. And I went with Darnold. Um, And I would say he and Josh Allen were fairly comparable when it came to passing side of things. Josh Allen's rushing game is what took him to the bearable point. I think the most, to me, the most obvious choice for best had to be Baker just because of, I mean, he's a thousand passing yards over. He's 10 touchdowns more. He has one less interception than Darnold and just two more than Allen. And overall, I mean, his QBR is 20 more than either of them. Just difficult, difficult to choose. Sure. Can I I, uh, surprise you, Rick? Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I have the same order. I have Baker as the best. Um, he threw 14 picks, obviously not great, but he also threw 1,700 more yards than Allen and 900 more than Donald. Um, I have Allen as bearable because uh, for the same reason that you said, his rushing ability meant that, you know, even though the the passing game, he was kind of terrible that year, um, you know, it, it, they could still win with him because of that rushing ability. And then I have Donald as the bust. And I have Donald as a bust for a few reasons. And one of them is entirely selfish and not based on stats or logic. One of them is that when he threw a pick six to Quandre Diggs on the first play of his career. That was also the first play of Matt Patricia's Detroit Lions career. And I thought, oh my God, we're going to win the Super Bowl. I thought Matt <laughs> Patricia was the greatest thing ever when that happened. And then in the space of the next 48, well, sorry, not 48 minutes, I'm thinking of NBA season starting this week, in the space of the next 60 minutes of football, all of that was ripped away from me. My heart was torn to pieces. The Jets absolutely blew the Lions out. And so for that selfish reason and the reason that I think a lot of people talk about Alan, uh, Alan's accuracy being really bad in his career, as you, in his early career, but as you just pointed out, Rick, Donald's was hardly better. It was 58% versus 53%. It was barely even better. And unlike Josh Allen, he's also boring. Josh Allen is at least fun, even when he's bad. So for completely <laughs> selfish and nonsensical reasons, I got Baker as the best, Josh Allen as bearable, and Donald as the bust. Something to touch on, too. Uh, obviously, Baker drafted first overall. Josh Allen drafted seventh. Darnold drafted third. Uh, 
the Browns were seven and seven when those fourteen games Baker started. Buck, uh, Buckalo, Buffalo was five and seven, and uh, the Jets <laughs> were four and nine. Um, but boys, but but boys, we all have the same order. Nice. Wow. Um, which it's nice for you and I to be back on the same page here, Ricky. Because last week, yeah, we last not. week did not go that way. Um, and Ricky, you touched on it. The only in uh, neither of these. The reason I wanted to do a throwback, right? Um, because I think, at least you and I are, Ricky, Ben, I can't speak for you here. Um, we're in agreement that Sam Darnold hasn't exactly had the best team around him. So it's far, like, it's, the Jets are not in a position where they should be giving up on Darnold yet. That being said, the reason I wanted to do, like, a throwback edition of the Boys was to kind of see where things are and how much of an overreaction this is based on the season. Um, I mean, if we're comparing it to the rest of their careers, I, I would only switch two spots. I agree. Allen and Baker. I would just yeah. flip flop Baker and out. Absolutely. But the thing is, is that the bust and bearable was a bit of a struggle to decide between the two. Yeah. Um, yeah I think it would have been easy to call Allen the bust based on rookie season alone. I mean, he threw five touchdowns and 10 picks. Mm-hmm. That is horrific. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you could see signs of things that they could refine out of his game and make him a lot better. Whereas right. I feel like that, but that ceiling was was not on show as much for for Donald. And you know, as we say, when you play for the Jets, kind of hard to show off your ceiling. But but yeah, that's that's how I looked at floor. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, it's hard to be on the Jets when all anyone thinks about is a butt fumble. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, Ricky, the reason. You took Allen as bearable is the same reason I did. You know, the eight rushing touchdowns, 631 rushing yards. Um, for me, that really showed a glimpse into the future of what the quarterback game would become, mm. which is really neat. Um, hey, look at that. We all agree. Ricky, you had a question. Yes. So the big thing of this season is we've already seen a bunch of people fired and we expect a fair amount more to happen. What coach either gets that promotion within their team or gets snagged and gets that head coaching job? I, I have three. I'm I'm ready to go for whoever you guys don't pick. Oh, I, I have I have a few, but I narrowed it down to one for the purposes of this. Um, I have one, so Ben, I'll let you go first. <laughs> I hope I don't steal yours, but I think I probably will because it's the most obvious one I've gone for. I've gone for Brian Dable at the Bills. Um, how can he not get a head coaching job? I think a lot of people, it's easy to watch the Bills and be like, oh, look at that. Josh Allen's running around like a crazy person again. That's just <laughs> Josh Allen being Josh Allen. Like their offense is just fun and creative because Josh Allen is being Josh Allen. I think it kind of gets overlooked because of how fun Josh Allen is to watch that it, their offense is extremely, it's, it's extremely creative in the way they set up plays for him. It's the, he's one of the more you know creative play you know play designers in the league and i was looking at their stats they're six in total yards per game fifth in points per game their last three games put up 48 in denver 26 on the steelers defense which we all know is a great defense and then 34 on the niners defense which albeit they've had a lot of injuries that um you know defensive coordinator over there in san fran robert Sala is another one who's been tipped for head coaching positions so i think that game in particular said to me that like that was like dable uh, saying like you know He's not the guy. I'm the guy, um, you know, to, to not just win, but to put up 34 on Salah's defense. I feel like he's, he's the obvious candidate and uh, he deserves a lot more credit than he gets for how good the Bills offense is. 
So I kind of want to expand on that because he definitely is in my list. <clears throat> Not only do we see him putting out a show on play calling, but looking at Josh Allen's development. Oh yeah. I mean, going from a completion percentage of 53 to this year, he's at a 68.69 from 2000 yards to 4,000 yards to 10 touchdowns to 12 interceptions to 30 touchdowns and nine interceptions. I mean that he he's acting like a quarterback whisperer. And I don't think that's an, that's an offense that's packed with, with like really elite weapons. I mean, obviously you have Diggs, who's great. Beasley's a good slot receiver. I don't think he's one of the best. Um, yeah. So I, and, and then you look at the running back Singletary and um, who am I forgetting? Um, awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really think other than Diggs, there's no one on that offense that like, I'm like, well, yeah, they're like a top of the, you know, top of the ladder elite player in their position. So I think when you take that into consideration, he's really got Allen Diggs and then just good, you know, they're good players, but they're not elite players. So it's not like he's got an offense either. That's packed with loads of elite weapons. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, he's, he's the obvious like top of the list candidate. Okay. I will, I'll go next um, because I do not have nearly anything to say about my guy aside from what we already know about him. Oh, and that's easy to see based on the team that he is the offensive coordinator for. And I'm not going to pronounce his last name right. I know who you're saying then. Then I'll Jeez. let you say it, Ricky. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy. You got it. That is my guy. Um, that Kansas City offense is something special. There, there's no other way to say it. Um, yeah, Mahomes is fantastic. Travis Kelsey's fantastic. Tyreek Hill is fantastic. Sammy Watkins is underappreciated. Edwards Alaire is going to be fantastic. Le'Veon Bell is fantastic. You have weapons upon weapons and upon weapons in that offense, and it shows with what they put up. Um, I would love to see what that guy can do with his own team. And I'm not sure how much longer we got Andy Reid, so it could be Kansas City. I the, the other really impressive thing is for Andy Reid, he currently has four former assistants as head coaches right now. What's wrong with having adding a fifth? Yeah, I, I feel mean, like there could be a little bit of trepidation with just just what um, Aaron mentioned about how many weapons I have, and mainly the Mahomes. I feel like if I'm if I'm a GM or a t, you know a team owner, I might you know as good as the enemy clearly is, I might just have a little bit of trepidation there. Was like, well, I don't have Mahomes on my team, yeah. So you if I hire him and bring him over here, is is that going to happen over here, yeah. or is is it going to be a disaster? I think he has been a front runner. Sorry, he, has, he has been a front runner candidate for a head coaching job for about three years now, and he hasn't been picked. And mm. I'm sure that is definitely a concern. But I think the argument could be made um, in response to the, you know, you had all these weapons in Kansas City. As a fan, obviously, who wouldn't love to see what he could do without those weapons? You yeah. know, who, who, hey, we're, I'd rather get a train wreck or a beautiful masterpiece. And I, I, would be happy either way. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true, but I see your point. I see your point. So um, my pick, uh, you, you guys did have my, my first two slots. Um, <laughs> and I would say, Ben, you, you had my number one, and I would stick by that day in, day out. The, the one that I think is a little bit more of a, a sleeper candidate is defensive side of the ball. Jack Del Rio, the Washington defensive coordinator. 
I mean, his defense is, I mean, it's the backbone of their team and he has shown that he has the ability to go out and find and develop players. Is, is it time to give him a shot? And hopefully it's not the lions picking another defensive coordinator to be their head coach because that got us so far, but I think he has the ability to um, search for those players. He, he, he got some good draft picks this year that have proven, are we, are we ready to give a defensive coordinator another bump up instead of all of those high, high octane offenses? All the sexy offense guys. Um, no, I agree with you. I think, you know, from a Detroit perspective, you mentioned Detroit, the, the only defensive minded guy they'll hire is, is, is Salah because of his roots in, uh, in Dearborn, I think, in, in any area around Detroit. But um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I would like to see someone like him get a shot um, rather than just every, like, it seems like everyone's like, oh, look, the, you know, the Cardinals have a sexy young offensive minded coach. The, the Rams have a sexy young offensive minded coach. Yeah. And uh, the, it seems like everyone's trying to, you know, jump on that train. Um, I'm not going to call Andy Reid sexy, but the way his team plays <laughs> oh, is. dare you not? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it, it would be all too easy for everyone to just try and jump on that bandwagon, like you say, and, and be like, oh, we need the next, you know, creative offensive guy. But, you know, defense still wins games. So if you can get it right, um, don't hire Matt Patricia. And uh, other than that, let's, let's, I agree, let's give the defensive I, guys a shot. I, I do think the phrase is actually offense wins games, defense wins championships. But I was simplifying it. I digress. We're Lions fans. What do we know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, how winning games or championships works. So. I don't know how to spell the, the Lions are just going to pick up Jim Harbaugh, and we're all going to hate our lives. Yeah, I'll just I'll just stop watching if that happens. <laughs> all right, final question of the week, boys. Um, first and foremost, Ben, welcome to the show. It's been a pleasure having you on this week. Yeah, enjoyable um, being on. Hopefully, many more to come. Thanks um, for staying up late. Yeah. Yeah. It's only uh quarter past one here now. I've got six hours until I gotta get up for work, so it's not too bad. Uh we'll then we'll make this quick for you. Uh the final question this week. Um and I tried to hold in my anger about Teddy Bridgewater's early as possible. I couldn't do it. Um <laughs> who is Carolina's quarterback twenty twenty one going forward? Do you want me to go first, Ben? Yeah, go. Okay. So Aaron's notes said free agent or trade. And frankly, I don't agree that it's going to be a free agent or trade. They're going to draft a quarterback. They they're, they're going to go, or they're going to have a slot early enough that they're going to probably be able to get the third quarterback in the draft. If they're lucky, they'll get Justin Fields. I mean, he should be the second quarterback to go. Not likely they'll pick him up, but if they do, he, if you want to keep a, cam newton type offense without cam newton he's your best bet um but honestly they're they're probably going to look at byu's quarterback in zach wilson he is quick with the ball he has a good pass and he doesn't just stay in the pocket he can move around um so that's where i'm going and if i really have to go with someone that they're going to trade to get or find in free agency, my, my best guess is Andy Dalton. Um, he, I mean, Dallas is going to keep Dak as their quarterback, almost guaranteed. Um, and he's still proving himself to be a good quarterback. And I, I think that's a, a, 
fair option. Just to clarify, me saying trade or free agency wasn't like a requirement. That was more, more so just so like we understand what I meant by the topic. Well, I took it literally. Yeah, well, you shouldn't. You never take me literal. I love the Rams. Um, <laughs> I Andy Dalton's a sleeper pick, though. If we talk like free agency, um, he's up for free agency at the end of this year. Yeah, no, a guy that had a fine career with Cincinnati has looked okay with Dallas. Um, give him a team with weapons and a potential healthy McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and uh, Anderson could be something. I don't know. I'm not a not a big uh, Dalton believer. Um, <clears throat> you say give him a team of weapons. He has weapons in Dallas. There's plenty of weapons in Dallas. Um, uh, to so. be, oh, I was about to say to be fair, your running back isn't. But same thing with Carolina right now. Yeah, true. Um, I I, w- I was in kind of the same boat as Ricky. I can't see them uh, going free agency or trade just because I think if you do that, I feel like that's a that's a win now move, and I don't think they're in a position to win now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were them, I'd be looking to, to draft a guy who can, you know, learn for a year and then take over the mantle maybe. And then in three, four years, maybe you could be looking at winning. Um, I don't think they're in a position to be trying to, you know, pick up a free agent who's going to come in and get them to the playoffs. I just, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think there's too many holes in the team. Um, one guy I was looking at maybe is Mac Jones, Alabama. You could trade down, um, trade down, get Devonta Smith with the other pick that you trade down for, reunite those two in Carolina. Um, give him something to aim for on uh, on offense and add another weapon to an already stacked receiver court. So, um, yeah, I think definitely go to the draft. And um, if Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence aren't there, which we assume they won't be, um, so um, I think trade down and take the best guy possible. You know, uh, I, I agree with both of you. I was actually thinking Jones as the guy. Um, draft him and go from there. Because um, Carolina is not in a win-now position. Um that being said, by not being a win-now position, I don't know if Carolina is going to be in a win-now position anytime soon. Um, not likely. Things have looked ugly. And that being said, do you try to trade the potential cornerstone of your offense in McCaffrey for more draft picks going forward to try to rebuild that team? I think you have to keep McCaffrey. I think the, the fan uproar alone the fan backlash alone is reason not to trade McCaffrey. And I think if you draft a QB and he, you know, for whatever reason needs to go in, you know, I said, sit him for a year and and let him learn. If starter gets injured and he has to go in and he's going in there with no McCaffrey, um, I feel like there's going to be so much, there's so much more chance that he's just going to be a disaster and crumble. Um, I feel like if you, you know, if you take a guy, like I said, Mac Jones, and you can trade down, add, you know, an elite receiver in this draft class, and you already have some good receivers there. You have McCaffrey. There's plenty of weapons there like to, to get him started, if you know what I mean, to give him a head mm-hmm. start. I feel like if you trade McCaffrey away, you're kind of already handicapping whatever quarterback you bring in. And sure. if it's a young guy, that's even worse. And I, I guess going off of that, because I also did have a couple ideas for people that potentially trade for or free agents or whatever, um, if they don't go the draft route. Yeah. Which I we all agree they should. Um, but if they don't, I think the perfect guy – to bring in would be a Carson Wentz. Um, I think it's a great fresh start for Carson. You might get lucky and things go your way, yeah. um, but worst case scenario, he starts for you know a little bit while you figure out some other things. See, I, I think that could be problematic because I think watching him at Philly, we've learned that he 
he has a personality that might not be the easiest to coach mm. or to get to go with your offense. Um, I, I think I'm in the opposite boat of Ben that trading McCaffrey could be an interesting prospect just because they're, they are going nowhere. I mean, it is not likely for the next handful of years that they will be a contending team. And yeah, it, it would suck for Carolina to lose Christian McCaffrey because he is Christian McCaffrey, but having that name, you're able to get him for how many draft picks or how many decent players that are able to fill in more gaps. And if you can fill in more gaps and get more draft picks, I, I think you're better suited than having that one amazing player right now. Send them to a team that... I mean, McCaffrey's worth the first round pick and a decent quarterback at least. If, if not more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which led me to the other quarterback I had in mind potentially going to Carolina, and that's Matt Stafford. Um, you give him a strong run and receiving game with McCaffrey mm-hmm. as well as Moore and uh, Anderson. And knowing what we've seen Stafford do in some of his best moments in Detroit, it'd be interesting to see what he could do with young guys that are developed versus young guys that are still developing. Um, Don't get me wrong, I don't think if he goes down there, he's turning Carolina around by any means. Um, But it it could be fun to watch. I have no comment on that only because I never want Matt Stafford to leave Detroit. <laughs> so I'm, I'm abstaining from commenting on that suggestion, even though it is a decent suggestion. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but, you know, Ricky, I'm with you. I think if Carolina is officially rebuilding in all assets, they need to rebuild in all assets. Yeah. Um, any thoughts to plug, boys? No, again, just make sure you check us out on Twitter, the runner up HQ. Um, we're, we're getting all of our social media up and out there. So more to come. YouTube, The Runner Up, Spotify, Blown Coverage. Uh, give us a shout. And uh, Clinch Perfect as well. It's our, uh, yep. it's our other one going on right now. We have more to come in the future. Um, week 15, NFL Blown Coverage. For Ben and Ricky, I'm Aaron, and uh, we'll catch you next time.